Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California, now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. What could it be? There was no balloon and there were no aeronauts. Some strange phenomenon had occurred in the higher zones of the atmosphere, a phenomenon of which neither the nature nor the cause could be explained. Today it appeared over America. 48 hours afterwards it was over Europe. A week later, it was in Asia. Hence, in every country of the world empire, or kingdom, or republic, there was anxiety which it was important to allay. If you hear in your house strange and inexplicable noises, do you not at once endeavor to discover the cause? And if your search is in vain, do you not leave your house and take up your quarters in another? But in this case, the house was the terrestrial globe. There are no means of leaving that house for the Moon or Mars or Venus or Jupiter or any other planet of the solar system. And so of necessity we have to find out what it is that takes place. Not in the infinite void, but within the atmospherical zones. In fact, if there is no air, there is no noise, and as there was a noise, that famous trumpet, the phenomenon must occur in the air, the density of which invariably diminishes. took up the question in their thousands and treated it in every form, throwing on it both light and darkness, recording many things about it true or false, alarming and tranquilizing their readers as the sale required, and almost driving ordinary people mad. At one blow, party politics dropped unheeded, and the affairs of the world went on none the worse for it. But what could this thing be? 
There was not an observatory that was not applied to. If an observatory could not give a satisfactory answer, what was the use of observatories? Astronomers who doubled and tripled the stars a hundred thousand million miles away could not explain a phenomenon occurring only a few miles off. What was the use of astronomers? The observatory at Paris was very guarded in what it said, and the mathematical section they had not thought the statement worth noticing. Meridional section, they knew nothing about it. In the physical observatory, they had not come across it. Jules Verne, Robur the Conqueror, 18 and 86. Joshua Tree, California. With soundscapes by Red Blue Black Silver. Ellery Hale was born in a booming Chicago in 1868. And thanks to the great fire that transformed the old wooden city, Hale's father had made a fortune building elevators for the city's new buildings of steel and stone. And so the young George grew up in comfort with his whims encouraged by his parents. Books, microscopes, and then telescopes were his passion. Along with a love for the outdoors, the natural world for fishing, for hunting, swimming in the summer, and ice skating in winter when... The lakes and rivers froze. George Hale was, his biographer states, particularly drawn to the tales of adventures set in the mountains of California by the French writer Jules Verne. 
Jules Verne was the biggest writer of his time. His fantastic adventure novels immediately translated into English and another dozen languages. His stories of technological thrills and incredible travels especially appealing to the young men of the time. During an age of absolute marvels. Railroads and telegraph lines were rapidly connecting and changing the old, slower-paced world. Electricity lit up beautiful new neighborhoods in the cities. Flight was attempted in hot air balloons. And biologists were bringing back specimens of species that seemed monstrous. Like many visionaries, Verne's fictions tended to play out in real life not long after his ideas got into the public consciousness. And so the great mystery airship flap of the 1890s, in large part affecting the night skies over San Francisco and Sacramento, seemed to be the real-life version of his Robur the Conqueror, who put the world into a panic with fantastic machines that could shoot through the skies as easily as they could dive beneath the seas. But George Ellery Hale aspired to create such wonders in his world, the real world, and not in books. And if such technological and scientific innovations took him on adventures in the California mountains, all the better. Hale was a true scholar and scientific pioneer, studying while innovating at MIT and Harvard, and then becoming a very young professor at the new University of Chicago. He founded a number of prominent observatories and mentored such astronomers as Edwin Hubble. And as is often the case with a true genius, he was troubled by depression, by migraines, by anxious insomnia. The long, gloomy winters of Chicago and New England and Western Europe, where he studied and invented at a manic pace, left him especially glum. Which is why the usually dry, clear winter skies of the California wilderness appealed so much. For his great telescopes, he flitted about from one western peak to another, looking for the perfect spot and using several of them. The peaks of Flagstaff, the San Bernardino Mountains, Wilson's Peak over Pasadena, and eventually Palomar Mountain. A high ridge separating most of San Diego County from the deserts beyond. Hale was compelled to keep collecting honors, keep breaking ground on new scientific marvels, but his psychological condition worsened. And 
finally his doctors demanded that he take that fashionable cure of the early 20th century, the European tour. Even though he'd already been to Europe and studied in Europe and lived in Berlin. In 1911, on holiday in France, George Hale was not finding relaxation. Instead, the ringing in his ears had intensified. And during another sleepless night, a small humanoid entity appeared before him. It was, Hale said, a little demon. And it was there to advise Hale on a course of action. The demon, described by one of Hale's biographers as an elf, would bond more deeply to Hale during a stay in Egypt later in 1911. They would later offer specific advice regarding the Mount Wilson Observatory and the new site at Palomar Mountain, which would become home to the largest telescope in the world. The fourth largest telescope in a row that Hale would design. That telescope, the last one, built with a 200-inch circle of corning glass remained the largest optical telescope in the world for a half century after its debut in 1948, which was a decade after Hale's death. Exhausted, worn out, and ready for rest at the age of 69. A lot of people first heard about George Ellery Hale's decades-long relationship with his little demon in an episode of the television show The X-Files in the 1990s in which Fox Mulder describes a little elf climbing through a window and interrupting Hale's solo game of billiards, telling him to get the $6 million necessary for the Palomar scope from the Rockefeller Foundation, which Hale did in 1928. The episode, if you're interested, is called Little Green Men. Telescope is an astronomical workhorse to this day doing nightly science work whenever the skies are clear over Palomar Mountain, an average of 290 nights per year. And it was only last year, in March of 2022, that such work by the astronomers Frank Maskey and Bryce Bolin resulted in the discovery of a previously unknown comet. A green comet with the designation C forward slash 20 and 22 E3 ZTF, which has thrilled the world this week as it makes its closest pass to Earth. Visible in the northern skies, especially in the hours after sunset and before dawn. All the popular astronomy apps can help 
point you in the right direction and it can be seen with the naked eye and the dark skies of the Mojave Desert especially not the Walmart parking lot in Yucca Valley I mean binoculars will make a difference Astronomy is quick to add such data to a worldwide network available not just to scholars and researchers, but to anybody with a cell phone. So take advantage of this opportunity if you can, if you have not already, because it's not very often that the use of a cell phone is exciting or inspirational. If you get a look at the Green Comet... Give a thought to the last time humans spied this strange sight. It was during the Stone Age, as we call it now, some 50,000 years ago. The Green Comet has also developed what astronomers call an anti-tail, according to spaceweather.com. It's described as a phenomenon which causes a comet to appear to have a second forward-facing tail. In the Stone Age, we probably would have called a forward-facing tail a phallus, but these are puritanical times. The astrology apps are still a little slow with such stuff. In the old days, whether the Stone Age or the height of the Roman Empire, the appearance of an unknown comet had immediate repercussions. Was it heralding a new plague? A famine? Or as we say today, a global supply chain disruption? The White House hasn't had an official astrologer since the Reagan administration, so they're probably as much in the dark as anyone using CoStar or the pattern. But I did find one astrological analysis of the Green Comet's return from a well-written and interesting website called Oxford Astrologer. And I'll quote from the relevant entry. So what was happening 50,000 years ago? One is that the megafauna started dying off and not being replaced. Cave bears, saber-toothed cats, the woolly mammoths, might have been climate pressure, meteorites, disease, we still don't know. This went on until most of the megafauna was gone about 10,000 years ago. The other thing is that one of several hominid species without any anatomical changes to their skulls suddenly started acting differently. 
They successfully colonized new continents, invented things of new complexity, made art, developed nuanced language, and left traces suggesting that they created stories to explain the world to themselves. This might have been due to developing a voice box, of needing to hunt smaller game, to experiment more with risky plant foods, with population pressures, we still don't know. A variety of human species existed then, not only in Africa, but in Asia, Australia, in Europe for hundreds of thousands of years. A mere 300,000 years ago or so, one mongrel species emerged from the meeting and mingling. And starting around 50,000 to 60,000 years ago, this species reached out and took over the world. Quoted from the website OxfordAstrologer.com Might be a useful one to bookmark. Maybe the strange, unsteady vibe of early 20 and 23 is par for the course in this time of steady global shocks that we all have to know about immediately. Regardless if they really affect our own daily lives. But one thing is for sure, as the population of the Earth, the human population, reaches its peak, the engine for economic and industrial growth all these centuries leading up to now has broken down. It will keep working for a while, but the frontiers are few for such reliable economic engines as the old emerging markets. We can no longer count on more consumers being born and raised. Maybe the Green Comet is a marker for the next 50,000 years. A 50,000 year period when we figure out how to do things in the other direction. A greener world, as the Generation Z climate activists always say. I wonder what the green comet of the year 52,023 will see here on Earth. From its next flyby. Its next flyby past our wonderful planet of 
marvels. And across the great Mojave wilderness, you've been listening to Desert Oracle Radio. We heard some new soundscapes tonight by Red, Blue, Black, Silver. I'm your host, Ken Lane. And our closing theme is by Pierre Langer. It's the King of the Hammers off-road parade race. I don't know if it's a race or a parade. But it's going to be a lot busier coming and going to the high desert over this weekend. So give yourself a little more time and don't get into a drag race with a giant RV pulling a trailer full of dune buggies and motorcycles. Just be patient. You'll get there. You'll get there. The new issue of Desert Oracle Winter 2023 is getting close to done, I can say, with something like, well, not confidence, but evidence, I guess. So I'm hoping these will still be shipping out at the end of this month. Meanwhile... On Saturday, February 11th, I will be telling some desert stories, especially about Death Valley and that wonderful region. At 2 p.m., Saturday, February 11th, at the Shoshone Museum in the beautiful village of Shoshone on the road headed up to Death Valley. And... February 27th, uh, there's Alta Journal event at Skylight Books in Los Angeles. Look up Alta Journal to RSVP if you want to go to that. It's a panel thing. Good night from the Voice of the Desert.